Hello everyone and welcome to Alston and Baird's Open Forum, a podcast which focuses on issues and topics of importance to women in business today. I'm Anna Nolan, a counsel in Alston and Baird's Restructuring and Special Situations Practice in London. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Manon Mendes, a principal at Blackstone Credit focused on special situations. Manon has a degree in law and business administration. Prior to joining Blackstone, Manon played an important role in setting up PIMCO's European Distressed and Special Situations investing platform. Prior to that, she was an investment analyst at Goldman Sachs. Manon, thank you so much for joining us today and for taking time out of your busy schedule. Of course. Um, thank you, Annie, for the introduction and uh, for having me today. As I mentioned in the introduction, you have a degree in law and business administration. This resonates with me, as I have two degrees in law and in business. I'm sure that the audience would love to get some insight into your current role and your interesting career journey. Thanks, Anna. So I'll start from the beginning. So I was born and raised in Spain, um, and I also did my double degree in law and business there. But I somehow managed to do three exchange programs that allowed me to live in various cities and also travel around. So I studied in Sydney and San Diego and Singapore. And as you mentioned, um, during my studies, I did a few internships in law firms, but I also tried consulting and finance and ultimately decided to go the finance route. And I think, you know, when I look back, it was, it was probably the buzz in the trading floor that captured me. So my first job was in the trading floor of Goldman Sachs. I had previously done this spring and summer internship and then got offered a job to join them. And I started in the mortgage and structure finance desk. Um, I was doing a sales and structuring role uh, but very soon I realized I wanted to be in a risk-taking seat or, you know, or an investing role. So shortly after, I moved to trading and joined the distressed prop desk. And there we were investing in public and private situations across the capital structure, so from debt to equity. And this was back in 2012, 2013, uh, when there was a big distress opportunity, especially in Spain, where we were buying companies out of bankruptcy and turning them around. And I was the only Spanish speaker in the team, um, so I was very lucky and got a lot of responsibility very quickly, despite being quite junior. And then after four years, um, I joined PIMCO to help set up their distressed and special sets platform in Europe. It was a new strategy for the firm, you know, at least in Europe, so a great opportunity to build something from scratch in such a large institution. So, you know, in addition to investing, we had to set up the team and the whole infrastructure from scratch. So from getting training permits, uh, to negotiating contracts with vendors, thinking about portfolio construction or what support functions we needed. So, you know, quite an entrepreneurial venture. Um, and then in terms of our investment strategy, we focused on both secondary distressed, uh, but also in special situations, ranging from rescue financings to growth capital. So, you know, situations that were not necessarily distressed, but had some element of complexity. And then after another four or five years at PIMCO, um, I joined Blackstone Credit, which was then known as GSO Capital. And it's an excellent platform. Um, I think we have one of the most flexible investment mandates that really allows us to invest across sectors, jurisdictions, in both public and private situations across the capital structure. So again, from debt to equity, allowing us to come with the spoke and many times hybrid financing solutions for companies that can't access traditional sources of funding or need enhanced flexibility. That's an interesting career path, Manon. When COVID started, market participants expected a wave of insolvencies, 
but the governments decided to intervene to prevent corporate collapses and the wave of insolvencies did not happen. In fact, formal company insolvencies in 2020 were at their lowest annual level since 1989. Surprisingly, there were also less investment opportunities for distressed investors. How do you describe the role of a distressed investor in the new, unusual environment shaped by low interest rates, high inflation, and recent government intervention to prevent a wave of insolvencies? So it's funny you bring this up because I was actually on a panel a couple of months back, so this was end of last year, where we talked about distressed as, a, as an old-fashioned term. And I think the point was that, you know, when I think about distressed investing, it's, I think about it as more of a skill set as opposed to a product. Um, you know, given the lack of distress opportunities in recent years, uh, we have seen a style drift among distressed funds for a while now. Uh, where mo most distressed funds with a flexible mandate have been doing anything but distressed. So at Blackstone Credit, what we've done is we've pivoted to become capital solution providers. So focusing on complex idiosyncratic situations that are not necessarily distressed. So instead of, instead of trying to predict when the cycle will turn, we have focused on building a flexible investment team with flexible pools of capital that can pivot easily and adapt to the opportunity set. So basically allowing us to capitalize on the current market opportunities, but be ready once the market turns and dislocations arise. And that is exactly what we did when COVID first hit. So our focus was initially on the high quality, you know, large cap names sold by distressed sellers, which is what you, you know, what you typically see in the first couple of quarters after a crisis. And then we focused our attention on good businesses impacted by COVID or good businesses with bad capital structures, looking to anticipate potential liquidity needs or upcoming maturities and proactively approaching corporates and offering ballistic solutions to address their capital structure needs. But as you pointed out, um, it's been a tough market in recent years. I mean, on one hand, you have you know, governments have been stepping into the shoes of distressed investors, making it hard to find rescue financing opportunities. And on the other, you have tons of liquidity in the system, I mean, including the resurgence of the CLO market and, and record amounts of private debt funds being raised. So all of this has really like pushed prices up to all-time highs and led to aggressive underwritings, including the prevalence of the you know, famous or, or maybe famous um, cop-like structures. Um, so this means, I mean, ultimately that we just have to work harder to deploy capital, but it also brings me back to that necessity of having a flexible investment strategy that allows you to adapt to the market conditions and the opportunity set. Said this, um, you know, 2021 was actually a phenomenal year for us, um, and it was a record year in terms of deployments. So there, there are always opportunities at the end of the day. It sounds like investors need to be flexible and adopt their investment strategies to the prevailing market conditions and also become proactive to deploy capital. Let's move to another topic, which is of interest to our listeners, leadership. As a successful female leader, could you share with us your thoughts on diversity, describe the culture in your firm, and also shed some light on how you approach culture cultivation and talent selection? I strongly believe that, and I think it's now been sufficiently established, that having a diverse team leads to better decision-making. 
And then in terms of culture, I mean, it is a top priority at Blackstone, um, especially these days where we're growing extremely fast and hiring many new people. Uh, we do spend a lot of time looking for individuals that will be a good fit. We want people that are smart, you know, talented and hardworking, but that are above all good individuals. Um, and there is also a strong effort to integrate the platform and increase connectivity between teams, um, you know, to cultivate that culture. You know, a good example is every Monday we have this firm-wide meeting where John Gray, our president um, and COO, presents the highlights of the week in terms of deals, in terms of investment strategy. Um, and then sometimes we have, you know, one of our in-house economists speak. And then we always have Steve Schwartzman, you know, our founder, chairman and CEO, wrap it up and give us his view on the world. So, you know, it's a really it's a really nice initiative to bring the whole firm together and be up to date with what's happening in other areas of the firm. I agree, Manon. Culture is extremely important to employees. How important do you think role models or mentors are, particularly in the finance industry? So I would say that more than role models, uh, I have always looked for mentors or sponsors. I mean, I, they, they were never formally assigned, um, but acted as such. It's, it's funny because in no, most of my you know, companies, there was always these mentorship programs. But when it feels like sometimes when it's a forced mentorship, it, you know, many of the times it doesn't work out. Um, but I have been you know, actively seeking out or, or looking for those mentors and sponsors, if I, even if I didn't define them as such. And I really can't stress how important it is to have a strong network and people that will support you and guide you along the way. Now, I have tapped into this network of people I consider mentors in many different points in my career, and they've always provided you know, extremely, extremely valuable advice. We work in a heavily male-dominated industry. What advice would you give to aspiring women in finance? Touching um, on what we discussed earlier, I would say two things. So one, use who you are to your advantage. Uh, you know, recognize that you bring something different to the table. You know, there's, you know, so many times, and I'm sure, Anna, you've been in the same in the same spot. You know, I've walked into a room full of men. You know, it could be a boardroom, an investment committee. But, you know, being the minority, you immediately stand out. So I, I, what I would recommend is, like, use this attention to your advantage and make sure you say something wise. And then the second point um, I would just, that I touched on earlier, is it's networking. Um, you know, I, I really, really can't stress how important it is. Uh, just, you know, put the time to build relationships, you know, returns compound over time. Don't worry too much who they are, but just make sure they're authentic relationships because, you know, most of these people, you know, that you, or these relationships that you build over time, you know, will be instrumental at those kind of pivotal points in, in your career. Absolutely. Networking boosts our professional confidence and leads to the exchange of ideas. It is incredibly important. Manon, it sounds like your role is broad. What do you like most about your role? So, yeah, I would say that one of the things I like the most is that in order to be successful at this job or in order to be a good investor, you really need to master a very diverse set of skills. I think you not, not only you need to be you know, strong technically, but you also have to have, I don't know, commercial instinct, you know, understand psychology, the legal framework. And you also need to be creative coming up with solutions and be good at negotiating and structuring transactions, you know, to get the deal across the line. So when I look back, um, although my the strategy, you know, I've always kind of focused on the same asset class. My roles, you know, at Goldman, Pimk and Blackstone have been very different, but just purely as a result of, you know, where we were in the cycle. Um, so I, I think that's that's what I like about this role, that it's it's been you know, I've, I've been focusing pretty much on the again, the same asset class, you know, for the last you know 10 years. 
Um, but it's, it's, it, every day is a bit different. How did you navigate your career, Manon? Did you have a clear idea of where you wanted to be? Or did you let your career take you to unexpected places? I think, I think a bit of a mix. Um, and I would say it's, I think it's important to, you know, to have a direction and be strategic uh, when you're navigating your career. But I, I think you also need to be open to new opportunities. So in my case, for example, what I try to do is that, you know, every so two years or so, you know, I kind of evaluate my, my you know, career or, or trajectory. And I ask myself kind of like, you know, am I doing what I like, what I want, or am I in the right place to get to where I want? And if the answer is no, then I start exploring options. So it's not necessarily, you know, that I decide to change jobs, but maybe it could be, you know, repositioning my role or taking new responsibilities. It's just a bit of a, you know, sanity check or, you know, a touch point to kind of reassess and, and see if you have to adjust anything. Exactly. Life is more enjoyable if we are open-minded. Now I'd like to talk a little bit about some personal questions around work-life balance and having it all. Some people believe that life is like a pie. Each slice of a pie is a different part of our life. Work, hobbies, fitness, friends, family. If one slice is bigger, the other slice becomes smaller. What is your thinking here? And how do you cut the slices of your pie? Because the, the trick is that the size of each slice changes over time. Or in other words, uh, priorities keep fluctuating and attract a, a different portion of your focus um, over, your, over time. You know, to give you an example... I recently um, have been working on a deal, you know, with a very tight time frame. So for a month, I was completely focused on it. And on my work slides grew significantly during that period just to, you know, get the deal done. But as soon as that was completed, it shifted and other priorities grew to balance it out. You are a clearly busy professional, Manon. Do you think that successful businesswomen can have it all? I think absolutely. Um, you know, as I mentioned previously, uh, you need to be flexible and accept that priorities will fluctuate over time. But I do think you can have it all. Um, you know, it is hard, uh, but I think it's just about making making the right compromises. Finally, and before we bring this podcast to a close, looking back at your professional life up until this point, is there anything you would have done differently? I'd say not really. Uh, you know, when I look back, I'm still happy with both um, the good and, and maybe not so good uh, decisions because they were all part of a learning process. You know, something um, that I've always found very interesting is that even the events that seem, you know, negative or maybe even disastrous in, you know, in one's career at some point in time, when time passes and you look back, you realize that it wasn't such a big deal after all. And that every event played a role in getting to where you are today. But it's only really when, you know, time passes that they, you can look back and connect those dots and make sense of it all. So I guess maybe a good way to, to end this podcast is our motto at Blackstone that says, stay calm, stay positive, never give up. Manon, thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm sure that you will be a great inspiration to many listening to this podcast. I'm Anna Nolan of Wallstone and Baird, and on behalf of our EU Women's Initiative Committee, I would also like to thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Open Forum. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back soon with another episode. Have a great day.